guys. Welcome back to another episode of Have You Not Heard? I am Angel H. Davis and I'm your host. And before we get rolling today, just a couple of announcements. Next week, we will not have a podcast, so no new upload on August 19th. We will close out this series on true love on August 27th. And then I will be taking a break in September. I have some fun trips to plan and with friends and family and also just really need some time to seek God's heart for what is next. But today we have a lot to cover, so let's get rolling. We are going to begin to unpack Romans 12, 9 through 21, how we put love into action. In the past episodes, we've explored what God's agape love is, how Jesus modeled that as he walked on earth, how unpacking the truth of the cross and Jesus helps us to know, which includes heart and head knowledge and experience. So to really know and experience and receive more of that love. And when we do this, agape love just naturally flows from us. Recapping the verses on Romans 12, 1 through 8 first, we are to give our bodies to God as worship. And that mainly talks about allowing him to transform our minds, as Romans 12, 2 says. So we can have the mind of Christ. Our thoughts come into alignment with his truth. And then scripture states that we actually become a new person through this process. And as a counselor, I can attest that we who are trained in psychology know the power of this. We know that thoughts, as our thoughts go, so goes our feelings and then our behaviors. And then that equals into destiny. So psychology is this is just highlighting the truth of God. True, because it's God's commodity and he formed humans and he put us in this world and he knows how we operate and how to take care of us. So along with transform minds, uh, those scriptures also talk about using our giftings and talents that he has already placed in us and fashion before time to have and utilize for humanity's good and God's glory. We get to serve and teach and give and encourage and lead, just to name a few. But there's so many giftings that we have that we get to share with the world. And we share those more purely when we are operating out of this agape love. I recently read this quote And it says, love has a form and content, and it compels us to act. It compels us to actively seek the well-being of others, which leads us to our verses today, 9 through 21. Paul begins to unpack love in action and the most excellent way, as 1 Corinthians 12, 31 states. After, um, and in those scriptures, they're also talking about using our giftings. So Romans 12, 9 through 21, I'm going to read this again. I want you to let this the words soak in, ask the Holy Spirit to bring new revelation as I do. And remember that Paul is talking to us, church people, you and I, people that believe in Christ. 
So love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, do not be conceited, do not repay anyone evil for evil, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's interesting that there's a, a kind of a do and don't list. I think it's great contrast. Maybe this helps true love be illuminated clearer when we see it contrasted to its opposite. And it points to what our sin nature wants to do and might normally do apart from God's agape love operating in us and our minds being transformed. So love is a decision. It can involve emotions, but it starts with a decision to access God's compassion for others and to seek what is good for them. The overall contrast in these scriptures is evil versus good, and the main theme seems to be unity through Christ. It strikes me that the verse on love ends with overcoming evil. It immediately makes me think of perfect love expelling all fear, 1 John 4, 18, and no weapon formed against us will prosper, Isaiah 54, 17. God's love and us putting that love into action leads us to overcoming evil in our lives. Wow. Now that's a lot to ponder. We need to let that sink in. God's love and putting that into action leads us to overcoming evil in our lives. So let's look at that for a minute. What is evil in your life right now? How would you define your enemy or enemies? For some of us, it's sickness or death. For others, it is a person or a relationship that brings pain or difficulty. For others, it might be a job they feel stuck in or bills they can't pay. Whatever is coming against your ability to stay focused on God and his truth which would lead us into agape love, this may be a way to define our enemy. The Bible talks about our enemy not being flesh and blood, meaning it's not a human. It's not human-based. What you say to me? And I say, I know when God taught me that, I was like, you got to be kidding. But this person did this. Didn't you hear what they said? You know, all kinds of 
uh, thoughts would go through my head, which I'm sure go through your head. But Ephesians 6 tells us that the real enemy isn't God. It isn't ourselves. It isn't someone else. Listen in. Verse 11, Ephesians 6 starts saying, take your stand against the devil's schemes. So here he is defining what what evil is, what who the enemy is. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Jesus himself tells us that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy in John 10.10. So the tricks of our supernatural enemy is to get us focused on each other or God or our circumstances as the root of the problem. And when we do that, we keep chasing our tail, so to speak. We're fighting the wrong battle and we never win. And that's part of the scheming of the devil. We keep trying to do God's job. We keep trying to change another person, get another person to repent, do all those things. Um, Jesus shed his blood, was buried and resurrected in order to conquer sin and death. Evil has a say here on earth temporarily, but Romans 16, 20 tells us the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your foot. And if you go on in those scriptures in uh, Ephesians 6, he tells us how we are equipped through Christ to stand against the enemy's attacks. So Ephesians tells us to put on the shoes of peace, which is the good news of the gospel. So our eyes are to be on Jesus and all he's done for us. And then peace can rule and reign in our hearts. And we can get back to our jobs of putting love into action. But wait, there's more. Another reason we can do this, why we can leave the enemy to God and focus on love and loving others, doing our part is because it says in verse 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends. And earlier it talks about not cursing your enemy, but leave room for God's wrath for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And that reminds me of in Isaiah 61, where he talks about his exchange program, and he does this because he hates what the enemy has done to his children. So this is a plan set in place before time, and we get to enter into the truth of this, and then our lives go better. But when we allow our emotions to take over, the fear, the hurt, the anger that leads to unforgiveness, bitterness, and all kinds of other stuff, instead of focusing on truth, and better yet, believing the truth, then our emotions and thoughts can take us into a different place than what God has called us to, like being miserable, being depressed, being discouraged, feeling hopeless. Anybody feeling like that? I know I've been there. I can be there in a nanosecond if I start getting into the schemes of the enemy instead of the attack plan of God, who says, my love overcomes every evil. For instance, when we're faced with evil, 
or an enemy, we can ruminate about the injustice that has been done to us. We can think about all the ways we can get back at that person. Or if it's a situation, we can just ruminate and ponder and think and worry and stress about how to change a situation so it can be in our favor. Or we project into the future about all the what ifs that can happen and all the calamities that could happen. Again, am I preaching to anybody but myself here? (laughs) And that leads to anxiety, anger, fears, all of that just escalates. And again, the enemy is sitting back going, all right, I got him. I'm winning this battle because our emotional pain, as it rises, it clouds our vision. It clouds our ability to think and see truth. So just like physical pain does that, emotional pain does that. And we tend to react instead of being proactive. Hence why we see so much vitriol going on these days on social media and otherwise. But God is calling us to something better. He will take care of all the injustices. We may not get the privilege of seeing it, but we get the privilege of knowing it will be taken care of. Do we believe it? Do we trust him? That is our job. And when we do, we can enter into doing the exact opposite And that's what he calls us to do. Instead of what our human nature wants to do, we want to get revenge and do all the things I talked about. He says, on the contrary, here's what you do instead. This is our replacement. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Another version says, buy him lunch, win him over with kindness. So we treat the enemy with kindness, with serving out of love. Remember, love is an action, a decision, not an emotion. I know this is hard, but God says in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And that makes me think of the scripture of his kindness leads to repentance. Has anybody been in a relationship or a job situation where you're just getting berated with all the things you've done wrong and how you've messed up? And, you know, what good does that do? A, it just might make you angry and defensive or B, just depressed and hopeless. But if if the person is speaking truth to you in love by saying, I love you, I care about you, this is why um, you're valuable to me, how you add to my life, and... um, Also, you know, these are things I need to point out because uh, I need you to know how this has impacted me and it's hurt me, but I love you regardless. I'm here for you regardless. Now, again, this is, albeit there's not abuse and there's not destructive relationships. We're just talking about the human stuff that happens, the differences that happen in the body of Christ, the differences of opinion we're having right now in the body of Christ. Instead of throwing arrows at each other, judging each other, um, we, we can accept that we have differences. We can ex- agree to not agree. So I know we can only do this through the Holy Spirit, infusing his agape love in us. But 
we can accomplish this. It starts with us trusting and believing that God's love for us is that great that he will not miss an injustice that happens in our lives. The real enemy is Satan and his adversaries, his little minions, so to speak. The main way he works through us, believers and non-believers, is by giving them ideas or tempting them to sin. So again, our thought life that leads to feelings and behaviors. Our job is to leave the injustices to God and to get on with the business of loving people, even our enemies. One commentary stated that the purpose of this is to protect our, the witness of Christ. So we are to be God's ambassadors here on earth. And so if we're just reacting and giving evil back with evil, then how are we protecting our witness for Christ. And also the purpose was to prevent unnecessary opposition. Because again, um, kindness leads to repentance. Those heaping burning coals over someone's head can lead to, you know, somebody just kind of um, melting their hearts and and uh, changing their reactions and calming down, right? So it reminds me of this time I was flying right after 9-11 and we were waiting to get on the plane. It was crowded. People were all kind of squished together. You know how that goes, um, trying to jockey their way up to the front. And there was a man who was obviously a first responder because of all the patches and stuff he had on his jacket, and which included 9-11. And he was irate. I mean, irate. I don't know what was going on with him and some other person that they had an altercation and fuming. Um, words were said. Luckily, nothing escalated. But the Lord had me kind of wheedle my way over to him and just casually ask, um, hey, you know, I see you're a first responder. Um, were you involved in 9 11? And he said, yes. Um, oh, still makes me cry when I think about it. Um, and then I said, you know, and I think he told me some about it. I really don't remember all the details. But then I said, uh, did you lose, you know, people you loved? And he said, yes. And I, I just knew, you know, his heart was full of pain, probably dealing with PTSD I would guess he got triggered and was really, you know, that anger was coming out, but the anger is a secondary emotion. So there's usually pain, hurt, uh, something else under, under it. So as I just asked him, as I cared, as I was concerned, um, he just kind of softened and he settled down. I could tell, you know, he just stress was leaving his body and he was relaxing so it was a quick conversation. I just thanked him for his service, you know, and just had compassion for his loss. And um, just, you know, we boarded and that was it. And as we were leaving, as we were uh, leaving the plane after we landed, I don't know how he found me, but somehow he found me across the aisle and he hands me, he takes off an American flag off of his jacket off of his first responder jacket, and he handed it to me. And you can tell it's still one of the greatest gifts I've ever gotten. It's one of the 
you know, I don't know, such a privilege to get that from him. But it talks about, to me, the power of God's love and compassion and what that can do to a heart, how heaping burning coals can soften a heart, can change a heart when it's from the Lord. Instead of letting our flesh rule and reign, let's let God do something better through us. Like Moses said, um, when he was leading the Israelites, this is out of Exodus 33, 13 through 16, some excerpts, teach me your ways. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Oh, Lord, we are desperate for you. We need you so badly. There is only one way that we can be your witnesses here on earth, and that is to allow your agape love to overcome our flesh for our minds to be transformed, for our hearts to be healed and renewed so that you can flow through us so that we can think of others and honor others higher than ourselves. Lord, help us. We are desperate and this world is desperate. Help us to act according to to your word and through the power of the Holy Spirit, make us what we are not. Help us to be Christ ambassadors here on earth for humanity's good and your glory. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, you guys, thank you for joining in. I know I've hit you with some hard stuff today, but we who call ourselves Christ followers are called to do this tough stuff and we're enabled to do it. So no excuses. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of them, but they just don't hold up. My challenge to you today and to me is to allow Holy Spirit to show us who the real enemy is in these situations we're facing, in the relationship, in the job, in the sickness, in the death, in the loss, whatever it is, to show us who the real enemy is and then help us to conquer that enemy through showing human um, humans God's love in a radical countercultural way. Press in for such a time as this. We will unpack the rest of Romans 12, 9 through 21, putting love into action on August 27th. Until then, God bless and keep being radical for Christ.